Hey guys, welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we talk about all your favorite smutty books from the Book Talk world. Today, we're kicking off a book series, and it's a long one, and you've probably heard us talk about it at least several, yeah, three to four times every other podcast. So long fans would know, we're talking about Zodiac Academy. We're getting into it, and we're starting back because... The eighth book, the last book in the series, drops in December, and we want to give everyone plenty of time to hang out with the world of Solaria and the beautiful Fae that live there. So today I'm joined by a guest host we actually have. So, you know, we've got our tried and true Lance Orion lover, Hilda. Hey, guys. <laughs> it's a very calm. <laughs> hey, guys. But we also have a guest host, someone I have known her entire life, who joined us to fill in to cover while Bridget is spending some much needed time with her new family. So she left us to have, not left us, but she left to have a baby and they're spending time together. So we are thrilled to have Colleen joining the podcast. Hello. Thrilled to be here. So happy to have you. It's like our first official goat ghost our first official <laughs> guest ever you are a little bit like a ghost because we can't actually see you that is it's real. recording I'm an international place. woman of mystery <laughs> so colleen is my sister and now i think if i'm not correct maybe i am correct maybe i'm not correct i don't remember i told you about zodiac academy first right you did yes you told me about zodiac and it took me a while to like finally commit and read it and then when I did, I went in pretty hard. As we all do. And Hilda is the one who convinced me to read it. Yeah. So I'm going on actually, it's close to like the one year anniversary when I first picked up the book. And I'm trying to think, I kept seeing it pop up on Book Talk. And actually, the first time that I tried to read the book was the same night that I finished reading Crescent City. Um, and yeah. And so because I finished Crescent City and I was like, oh my God. I need something else. And I picked it up and I DNF'd it. The themes are so different and the style is is so different. It definitely is. Yes. That it was my mistake. It was my bad. It was absolutely my bad. Well, how Um, would you know? How could you know? And so whatever. And then I was on vacation during the 4th of July. And like the day before I went back to work or the two days before I went back to work, I was like, you know, there's this book talker I really like that she kept talking about it. And so I was like, let me just give it a try. And yeah, I think between the months of July and September, I kept rereading the series over and over again. I made Bridget read it. And when she was reading it, I was reading it alongside her. And then we convinced you, Caitlin, to read it. And then yep. we were talking to you about it all the time. And then finally, like I had some sanity. And I think it's because A Shadow in the Ember came out. And so <laughs> I was like, you were okay, forced me- to read yeah, something I- else. I was forced to like leave it behind and then obviously book seven came out and then I was devastated for six weeks. Now, this series packs a punch. She brings you on highs and lows. And the first one, book one, and I'm sorry, when there's like a seven book book series, I don't go by the titles. I go by the orders that they're in. So this is book one, which is just called Zodiac Academy, The Awakening. And we'll get into the little two minute recap of there, but we're also talking about, well, Let's just get into it. I can't even try to explain. I'm like, we got The Awakening, and then we got As Told by the Boys, The Awakening. But that's not going to make any sense until you know what The Awakening is. So Hilda's going to take us through that. 
Yeah, so we'll get started. So Zodiac Academy, The Awakening basically is the story of two orphan twin sisters who find out that they're actually changelings. And so they grew up in the human world, but they actually are princesses from the kingdom of Solaria, which is a mirror kingdom or a mirror world, I guess, of the dimension we're in. The human I don't world? Know. Sure, <laughs> yes. the human world. So they're actually two fate princesses. And so they get taken back to Solaria under the guise of if you go to this academy and you learn how to use your powers, you can inherit all of the money that your parents left you. And it was really important to them because they were changelings. They grew up in foster homes. They grew up really poor. And that's actually, we're introduced to that in the beginning of the book. And so they were basically living in squalor. So when they arrive at the academy, they're just like, hey, we're just here to learn. They're trying to really absorb everything. And so we find out that their parents got killed. And so they thought the princesses had died too. By the way, their names are Tori and Darcy. Their real names are actually Roxanya and Gwendolina, but we're just going to call them Tori and Darcy. I can't even like listen to you say that without laughing because that's not their names in my head. Yeah. And so we find out that their mom and dad died. They were killed. They thought the princesses had died too. And so there's been a celestial council that has basically set up a regency and is running the kingdom. And so those four people each have heirs known as the Celestial Heirs, who are basically have been training their whole lives to run the kingdom once their parents stepped out. And so when the princesses arrive, it's a whole big conflict between who's going to really run the kingdom. Now, the twins are not interested in running the kingdom. They just want their money. But in this world of Solaria, the guys are trying to exert their, I guess, position. The best way to describe Solaria, it's a dog-eat-dog world. Very. Because um, yes. they mentioned that a hundred times. Like, it's your fey nature to take what's yours. You, Yeah, it's everything so, is you have to fight for everything. Exactly. And power is a big deal. So essentially, book one is the girls arrive at this academy, which is kind of college, but it's structured got- as a high school because they're over 18, yeah, but they wear uniforms. It was like Hogwarts. Hog, like Hogwarts in college. Yes. yes. They do. The Twisted Sisters do describe it as like sexy Harry Potter. I think that's accurate. I agree. And so essentially, book one is them learning a little bit more about their powers and what it means to be Fae. At the same time, the four heirs, who are Caleb, Seth, Max, and Darius, are trying to exert their power over the twins, which is a little hard because even though the twins haven't been trained, they have all four elements, which I'll explain a little bit later, while the boys only have two apiece. So the girls, Uh, despite coming from a human world with no training, were kind of thrown much like Harry Potter. He lived under the stairs until he was 13, and then he – 13? 12? 11. 11? Wow, so wrong. (laughs) 11. So he was 11 and then brought to this magical school. So this is in that similar vein where they have no foundational training at all. But when they get there, they are extremely powerful, way more powerful than the boys and their parents before them who were powerful rulers. It's a lot of untapped power. They have all this power, but they don't know yet how to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. And so basically, the boys are trying to get them kicked out of school or actually more have them leave the school. But again, Mm -hmm. the girls are interested in staying because they want their inheritance. 
Right. And in order to stay to get their inheritance, they had to stay past a certain point. So that's why they're really, really committed to stick it through because you got the royal riches of a royal family and coming from nothing. That sounds like a heck of a lot that they would want. Probably mentioned the author's names. So it's actually two sisters, Caroline Peckham and Suzanne Valenti. Uh, they are officially known as the Twisted Sisters and their fan club is called Oof. the Twisters. They and are no. they're evil. What? <laughs> we say this with all love. Love them, but they're evil. Love them. And it kind of gets into, so this is a different kind of book that was different than anything I've ever read, which I didn't even know was a trope, but it's called A Bully Romance. So as Hilda mentioned, the boys are trying to get the girls kicked out of school. So there's a fair amount of bullying involved, which then turns to love. But <laughs> the reason they're called the Twisted Sisters, it's just, there's a lot of heartache. Just when you think things are going great, it takes a quick dip south. And it really, really affects you. There were times in the series where like, I don't think I can go on. <laughs> reading this. Yes. yes, definitely had to take several pauses to allow my emotions to, you know, get to a good place. Yeah, they love cliffhangers. And so if I felt I was really lucky because I was able to read the first six books um, and only had to wait, I don't know, like six months for book seven. But now that I have to wait a full year for book eight, I just... I don't know how he functioned in the month of December. I don't know how anyone functioned. Not having the ability to go from one cliffhanger to immediately finding out what happened next. Like, I don't know how I would have functioned emotionally having to have waited a whole year. Maybe it would have been better. Maybe the pain would have been forgotten, like childbirth. Like, I've forgotten how bad it is. (laughs) And then I can go back to it. So before we get into any, any a little bit more, these are the Twisted Sisters. They have the world of Solaria is pretty large. And I do want to issue our always spoiler warning. So if you have not read Zodiac Academy, we'll be talking about probably elements from books one through seven, although we're kind of sticking in the earlier series. There may be crossover points to Ruthless Boys, potentially. I just throw this out there just in case there is, which is within the world of Solaria with some of the cast and characters. But that's another six books. Then you have the Darkmoor Penitentiary series, which is another four or five, but that's unfinished, right? Yeah. Ruthless Boys is actually five books. Five? Mm-hmm. And that's a complete reverse harem. Takes place in the world of Solaria, I think, five years? Three years before the action. Five in- to three. Three to five. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, no, it's five years before what happens in Zodiac Academy. And then Darkmoor is set five years after. Zodiac Academy. Now, I haven't even read Darkmoor, so I can't get into that. But I just, you know, just throwing it out there, the whole world of Zodiac Academy spoilers. Um, I have read neither, but I I don't mind hearing about Ruthless Boys. You need to read Ruthless Boys. You gotta get into Ruthless Boys. Because I know I'm behind. One thing about the sisters, despite all of the heartache, is they're hilarious. And they set up these really like ridiculous comedic scenes. And I actually think Ruthless Boys is funnier than Zodiac. It's way more funnier. And there's a lot of young Lance Orion in Zodiac with Gabriel Knox, two characters in this book. So you get to see them when they're like younger, not professors, which was which was fun. Really awesome. Funny part. Like who says no to more Lance? Not me. Oh, not me either. I, I'm ready for more Lance at all times. So you guys are hardcore Lance lovers. I lo- I like him a lot. I like him a lot. But I, I don't know where my loyalties lie. I'm like, sometimes I like – my God, why am I blanking on his name? Dragon Darius. Boy. Darius. I, like, I want to say Dante, but I'm like, wrong dragon. <laughs> wrong dragon. 
And there's a fair amount of crossover. So as you're reading the Zodiac series, some characters from Ruthless Boys do start to pop up. So it's fun to see those those things interact and see the names pop up. And so they don't really reveal spoilers between the series, but they do like to drop in these little Easter eggs. So it's just kind of fun to read that. So I guess talking about the world of Solaria in general. The Fae in this world, I think, are a little bit different than other Fae series. Then again, I haven't read a ton of Fae series besides like Akatar. So basically, I guess this would qualify as what you would call an urban fantasy. It is set in modern times in this mirror world of Solaria. And so essentially, the way that the power works here is the Fae have access to the four elements, which are Earth, Air, Fire, and Water. Oh, every so, time you, you know. go through that, I always think of Captain, Captain Planet. Planet. <laughs> Earth, air. We're just missing heart. That was a Captain right? Planet that's the fifth element? One? Is that's it? The fifth one? Yeah, it's, it was the little, like, native boy. Oh, you're right. I can't <laughs> I remember his about name. Him. can't remember his name. I couldn't tell you anyone's name there. I just know Captain Planet. We had Earth, air, fire, wind. Water, like heart, wind yes. Ball. I think so. It's been a while. And so it is pretty standard for a fae to have access to one element and you can still be pretty powerful in that one element. Fae that have the power of two elements are considered extremely powerful. And then the twins have all four elements. Uh, So to give you an idea of how powerful they are. And so the other thing that is, I think, slightly different, which I find really intriguing, is that as a fae, you can also have access to and other type of order or form. Zodiac magic, basically. Yes, exactly. And so you could be things like a Cerberus or a Pegasus. I almost called them a unicorn. A siren, wolf, vampires, dragons. It does kind of feel like vampires are the odd man out. Sort of when you're listing all these animals, but well, in the su- world, it makes sense. Yeah. It, there's supposed to be like three types of order. I can't remember what the names are, but essentially sirens and vampires maintain their human form and they just have like one thing change about them. So obviously vampires, their teeth changes and then sirens, get they like get scales. scales. Yeah. Because, you know, water. That's what I mean by sirens. Like the Greek ancient sirens, not and those pali- sirens. rain. <laughs> Those orders drain something from you. So sirens drain your your emotions Emotions. from Mm -hmm. you. Vampires obviously drain your blood. And in turn, your power at the same time. Oh, good point, Colleen. That's what happens when you read just before recording. (laughs) Hey, usually that's me where I'm like, I finished the book 30 seconds ago. (laughs) And then you have the orders that half transform, half human half animal. I can't think of an example. Like a minotaur, I guess? I think so, yes. The minotaur, the sphinx, maybe, I think, are part of that. And Mm -hmm. then you have the orders that do the the complete transformation. So like the Pegasus, the dragon, the Cerberus, the wolf. The rat. (laughs) The Tiberian Tiberian rats. (laughs) Yes. So obviously, much like in the animal world, There is a class order to these animals. So your Tiberian rats are of the lower class. Then you have lower orders. Then you have a dragon. uh, Is at the top of the food chain. There we go. I was trying to think of where the the other ones are up there. I'm like, it's not the Pegasus. That's like a middle of the pack. Werewolves are up there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Basically anything that the celestial heirs are, are thought highly of. 
Yeah. So the vampires, the sirens, the wolves, and the dragons. Uh, Right now, I guess the dragon is considered the most powerful species or order. And the most rare. Mm -hmm. Because they've had some extinct orders, such as the phoenixes and the hydras. Some other, I remember some other type of dolphin that they mentioned. There was some type of like, and I think a bull. A bull dolphin or a bull? Not not a bull. Not two separate animals? It's two separate. Yeah. What is that one? I don't know. There was like some dolphin and some bull. It's all in like the Mm. first. It's in uh, Orion's first lesson. That's true. I clearly should have paid more attention, much like everyone else in that class. Should have been taking notes. Should have been taking (laughs) notes. What, you didn't uh, highlight it and reread it 17 times? Um, nope, did not. <clears throat> so what's e- exciting about this Fey world and this magic is you have access to your order form and then your element form. So you can do both. So obviously if you have fire, you can control and manipulate fire. Air, you can tr- control and manipulate wind. You can steal the air out of people's lungs. Water. You can, you can do ice. Water. And then ice. there's some... I think some basic magic that everyone can do, right? Like the silencing bubbles, that's something everyone can do. Coercion is something everyone can do. So there's some common ground. And then you have your elemental magic and your order form on top of that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. But the Twisted Sisters really did a nice job of easing us into this. Because there's some other books sometimes where it is like chapters looking at you, Crescent City. Of world building where you're like, I am not understanding where I am in the world of this this place. Yeah, But they really so- do a good job of dropping you into it and sort of you catch on fairly quickly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's great because Tori and Darcy are learning and then you learn alongside them without it being a total info dump. Exactly. That's really great. The other thing that's important to know about Solaria is that there is this enemy race known as the nymphs. And so the nymphs actually I don't think are like cute sexy nymphs. They're more like no trees. Overgrown <laughs> like, yeah, evil ants. trees that try to kill you. <laughs> I pictured Groot yeah. from Guardians but of like, the Galaxy. Not, not cute. Not Groot. cute. No. Not like, cute. Like isn't it from Snow White? And I know I always throw out a Disney reference here, but you know in Snow White, isn't there like evil trees that try to capture her or or, or they look they she thinks they look evil, I think, and it's just, you right. know. So you take the evil tree from Snow White, you mix it with Groot, there you go, you got a nymph. And so the nymphs are a separate race that can steal the magic from the fae, and they do that by, like, sticking their probes into their heart, stealing their magic, and subsequently <sighs> killing the fae. And so they can hide and look like regular fae. But obviously, when they transform, they would transform into this scary nymph that tries to steal magic. And so, of course, the kingdom of Solaria is under threat of the nymphs. So you have sort of that political backstory happening. And the nymphs are actually responsible for the deaths of the king and the queen. Although I don't think we find that out until later in the series. yeah, it may have been implied that that's what happened, but we didn't really get confirmation until later. How. Mm-hmm. Right. So the okay. nymphs are, I'd say, the one of the main baddies that we encounter during this time series, this part. Yes, okay. particularly in the beginning. And then they, aside from stealing your magic with their probes, they can also, they do this rattle that basically stops you from using your magic to to fight them off. So you have to get into your order form or else you're toast, basically. Good call. Yeah, that so, rattle. The death rattle. That's kind ugh. of what I pictured in my head. Like, ugh. 
Also, when you said the probes into their heart, I was like, ugh, full body shiver. Yeah, this is, like, again, not cute Groot. Not cute Groot. (laughs) Evil tree thing. Basically, in book one, you're getting the backstory. You're learning as the twins are learning, as Colleen pointed out. But also, you kind of pick up, even though the heirs, the celestial heirs are trying to get rid of the girls, there's also some, like, type of, I don't want to say... Sexual tension, because there isn't sexual tension between all of them, although there is some between the different characters, but there's just, there's like something there. You Uh, definitely get the impression that if they had grown up together, which they would have, if the girls hadn't been uh, sent to the human world, human dimension, that they would have been great friends. Well, I think of it like it's, they regularly say throughout the whole book series how smoke and hot Darcy and Tori are. And then you have these also four smoke and hot college age men. So whether or not it's a spark, everyone's like, I see you and I kind of want to do you. That's basically <laughs> what's basically what they're getting into. It's like, there's no tension. It's just like, I see what you're putting out there in the world and I like it. That's an excellent point. What else? So kind of to preface We're going to talk a little bit more about the awakening as told by the boys. And the reason that we're going to do that is because I feel like a lot of people have had this experience with Zodiac Academy with the first book. The first book can be a little bit tough to read because the bullying is pretty harsh. And I myself, as much as I love the series, it's really hard for me to read the final chapters because something really terrible happens to both Tori and Darcy, but I think what happens to Tori is just, I really struggle with it. As Caitlin mentioned, it's a bully romance. And so there's definitely some bullying that goes on. However, later on, when you get the awakening as told by the boys, you get the story from their perspective, you get the motivation as to why they behaved the way that they behaved. So it doesn't totally justify their actions, but it helps to explain them a little bit better, specifically the way that Darius and Seth behaves. Although I feel like Darius had a much better reason um, than Seth. Oh, definitely. It took Seth Uh, a really long time to like redeem himself in my eyes. Seth He's still working on redeeming himself in my eyes and we are about to close in the eighth book. Right. Seth is the heir, heir. <laughs> yes, the heir to the heir order. He's, he's the heir and he's the wolf. Max is the siren and he's the water heir. Caleb is the vampire and he's the earth heir. And Darius is the dragon and he's the fire heir. And then you also have Darius's best friend slash guardian, which that's a whole other story. Our very own Lance Orion, who's a professor at the school. Um, and also the literary love of my life. Sorry. Sorry, Colleen. That's okay. You can you can have him, Hilda. I Thank do believe you. you love him more than me. <laughs> Maybe. So yeah, I think that covers it. Do you think there's anything else we should talk about before we get into the awakening as told by the boys? I was just going to say, and maybe it's something we can talk about as we go into it, but just to preface, part of the reason why, you know, the boys are so against Tori and Darcy is that their father, he was the king, but he was known as the savage king, right? So they, you know, under his rule, things were terrible, horrible. Nobody wants to go back to those days. So while there are royalists who are really excited for Tori and Darcy to come back to the kingdom of Solaria, which I'm really excited to talk about those royalists, the celestial heirs, while they can be awful, they have 
the kingdom's best awful. interests. I'm like, yeah. they are giant dicks. Yes, they so, are giant dicks. They're, yes. they're, I, I agree. It's a struggle to read what they do sometimes, but they always are, have the kingdom's best interests at heart because they think, okay, these girls, probably genetics, I guess, because it wasn't like they were raised by their father, but they just assumed that they're going to be terrible. Yeah. Because the and Savage I- King basically went. He was crazy and he made a lot of really irrational decisions. I guess people were killed at his whim. What's important to note is that the twins' mom only had one element. I forget what her name was. I feel like it started with an M. It wasn't Marissa, though. It was close to Marissa, but I can't remember her name. Marissa? She was – I can't remember. She was beautiful. She was a princess from another kingdom. And even though she had only one element, she was a very powerful seer. And she could see into the future. And right. that play and comes to play later in the series. Worth noting, too, that the boys just believe that there's – with all the training that they have, that there's no way these girls could ever catch up to the foundational knowledge that they have for living in the fate. Like, they just know how the fae world works because they grew up there. These girls only know the human world. So that's another reason why they think that they just are not fit to wear the crown. So – Having said all of that and caught you up in the world, the magic, the cast of characters, let's get into what actually happened in this book. So we start out with Darius and Lance on a nymph hunt immediately. So we're thrown into some action. We're in Solaria already. So you're getting to see, you know, firsthand how brutal the nymphs are. And then from there, you know, Darius and Lance are successful in killing the nymphs and you're you know getting to know their bond a bit they are best friends but beyond that lance is darius's guardian which was not a choice that he made but something that was forced on him by darius's father lionel lionel i was supposed to say leo <laughs> which is not correct lionel's an dare asshole. you besmirch my sweet leon's name <laughs> lionel's an asshole you will come to hate him as much as we do and yes. right oh another thing that we didn't talk about and by we i mean me the your powers within solaria are also tied to like your zodiac sign so your main element is tied to whatever element your zodiac sign is so for example the twins are Gemini. And so Gemini being an air sign, they always knew the twins would have air power. Right. So it's pretty much a given. So like if you're born in April and you're a Taurus, that's an earth sign. You're going to have an earth element. Now what's not given is will you have more than that? Yeah. And it's, they don't fully explain it because I don't, I think they would probably spend like a whole book trying to explain it. But basically it's like tied to the constellation. And so basically only the stars know. And the stars are kind of like the evil, (laughs) benevolent, asshole overrulers that kind of guide the lives, but not really. Yes. This is a little segue because I loved every part in this book when they have the stars have spoken about your day and it's a little zodiac reading for your day a horoscope for your day and as you're reading it you're like like it's a little like tidbit into what's happening you're like oh there's someone who lingers in the shadow don't trust them gemini and you're like oh who lingers in the shadow and you question everyone that that character interacts with that day because i'm like who is the stars have spoken about my day who is it it always drove me nuts when they would be like oh you know tempers will flare try to keep a cooler head and then you know Tori's incapable of that and goes off the handle. And I'm like, you were told. You were given explicit instructions. Yeah. yeah. Out of the twins, has she ever listened to the rules? Yes. Yeah. Out of the twins, Tori's definitely 
only the more skeptical about fate and destiny. And she doesn't take very well to the stars, quote unquote, determining her fate. Whereas right. she doesn't love anyone telling yeah. her what to do. Darcy's a little bit more accepting of those types of things. She was already into horoscopes in the mortal world. So she was more open to it. Exactly. Um, so we have Lance and Darius on their nymph hunt. Yes. Oh, another say- thing about the oh, nymph hunt. So there's the FIB, which is the Fay Investigative Bureau, not to be confused with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And so essentially, the general population should not be hunting nymphs. It should be something that's strictly handled by the FIB. But Lance has some insider person. Yeah, he has some insider, I wouldn't say information. He has a source at the FIB who helps him deal or tips him off when there's a, a nymph in the area so that he and Darius can go deal with it because the nymph cases have been rising. And so the FIB isn't necessarily doing everything they can to keep them under control. Part of it is because they don't want to scare the population, but I guess later on we'll understand why as well. Yes. So they have, this is kind of the like preface to the rest of the book, right? So that's setting the mood for who these characters are, even though technically, because you should have read it after the fifth book, you're well aware of who they are. But, you know, after their successful nymph hunt, it then goes to, you're starting with exactly what the book says it is, the awakening from the boy's perspective. So we go to Lance O'Ryan in the mortal world, trying to track down Tori and Darcy Vega, our missing twin princesses. He is tasked with finding them and getting them to come back to Solaria with him to begin their training. So Lance has some trouble with this. (laughs) He finds Darcy and she is in the midst of breaking into their foster father's house to get money back that they had stored there before he kicked them out. And things go wrong for her. Things go wrong for Lance. He is not able to get her, but he does take her money. He then tries to- a thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. You want this? Cool. I'm going to take it. Yes. And it's revealed- It's a small thing, but it's revealed that our friend Noxie, Gabriel Knox, who is a character who really comes into play later in the series, but in particular in this book as well, he is a seer and he had told Lance that it was imperative that he take the cash from her, I guess, to get them to come with him. But anyways, Darcy escapes cashless. Then he tries to track down Tori. Tori. Mm-hmm. And Tori she's is motorcycles. Yes, <laughs> she's kind of a badass. She regularly steals motorcycles and sells them. And that's part of how her and Darcy have any money to begin with. He tries to get her. She just walks off. He's trying to use his coerci- coercive magic to get them to listen to him. But he's never able to like actually get it to stick then because they haven't been able to hear him before they leave, basically. He finally corners them at their apartment, sees that they've been living in squalor, is able to use his coercion. And, and that is where the, you know, everything comes out about that they are princesses, that they have an immense inheritance waiting for them in Solaria. And if they go with Lance, then they will- All your end- financial woes. Yes. Your <laughs> as no long problems. as they complete the Zodiac Academy, they can have their inheritance. 
Lance does not want to be on this mission. He That's does not true. want to go get them. He does not really care about them. He finds them wildly annoying. At mm. least Darcy. He is immediately attracted to her. And it's worth noting it is Darcy in particular, not Tori. They are twins. They are they look exactly the same. But he's very interested in Darcy. And at this point, he's saying, no, it's because she's so powerful. I'd be interested because of that. So with that, the temptation of the money and in their inheritance ahead of them, they agree to go with Lance to the kingdom of Solaria to attend the Zodiac Academy. So if we're sticking with the boys' perspective, we don't get to see their actual awakening, but we do go straight to Darius and the other heirs. So again, that's Darius, Max, Seth, and Caleb. And they are at Zodiac waiting basically for all of the new students, including the uh, the twins. They get all four. And I didn't so- back to that part. Yeah. Yeah. Orion was there to witness it. And then he texted Darius right away. So the guys are in the orb, which is the like student gathering point. And so they have their own special red sectional Mm -hmm. there that they hang out on all the time. Mm -hmm. And so then they're like, oh, shit. They have all four elements, which is totally unheard of. Like even the twins' father, the king, he was super powerful and the most powerful fae in Solaria when he was alive and he only had three elements. So again, having four is extraordinary. Yeah. So they are ready, you know, Darius and the other heirs are already, you know, under strict instructions from their parents, the celestial counselors who currently rule Solaria in lieu of any kind of royal ruler since the king and queen have been murdered. They a light murder. Just light just a light murdered. Quick murder, you know. As as happens in the kingdom of Solaria. It wouldn't be a good uh, fantasy book if the parents were alive and nice people. Let's be honest. <laughs> or a Disney movie. So she's right. never a full parent. But. So they already were like planning to get them to leave regardless of – they knew that they would be powerful. They just didn't realize that they would have – how powerful they would be. So as the new students filter in, Darius immediately locks eyes with a girl who he thinks is smoking hot and immediately is like extremely attracted to, like insanely attracted to. And he, of course, does not know that this is our good friend Tori, one of the twins. So he is just fantasizing about her and is like completely forgets about the twins and then soon realizes, oh, no, this is my mortal enemy. What am I going to do? Smoking hot girl is now the person I have to take down. Yes. And he's not the only one interested. Caleb is interested in Tori. Seth seems interested in Darcy. They all are drawn to them. Darius, you know, most of them are like, oh, they're real hot. I like them. Darius seems to feel (laughs) more, you know, there's some kind of more divine star powered intervention there between them it's funny because i think seth was like oh shit i didn't he's like we never factored in that the twins were going to be hot god seth what a character in this book because they're when you read it from the girl's perspective and i'm just gonna take a quick seth tangent when you read it from the girl's perspective he just comes off as a giant effing jerk the entire time but then you kind of read it from his perspective and you you see the things he talks about like that for example he's like dang it i didn't factor it in and you're just like he's becomes a more lovable a lovable character i still don't like him but he becomes more he shifts more human than he did just evil person trying to take down the twins for me in this book 
Seth, out of like the heirs, he's the frattiest frat boy of them all. You know, like he would be, he would be doing, you know, the upside down keg stands. But he also, I think, out of all of them, has a really mean streak. Caleb is the charming frat boy. Caleb is your Abercrombie model. Yes. I pictured. Seth mm-hmm. is like your, the grungy one who probably hasn't like showered in a couple days, but is still bringing home like all the girls all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like he gives me more Hollister vibes. He gives me a surfer boy kind of oh, okay. feel. Yeah. Okay. That was there. Yeah. But so, you know, the girls are come in. The principal, Principal Nova, introduces the girls immediately to the celestial airs. Things are rather tense, as you can imagine. And in the process, Caleb, who is a vampire, bites Tori. Darcy is Max grabs Darcy to hold her back from helping Tori. She freaks out and has this burst of raw power and throws Max off of her, which the heirs are shocked by. But then, you know, things kind of fizzle before they can come to a real head because the it's time for them to be essentially sorted, Hogwarts hat sorted into their <laughs> houses. This is like Hogwarts on steroids, the sorting, because it's a hazing. Let's call it what it is. It's a hazing into the houses. You get sorted and then you get hazed upon meeting your RA, I guess. Hi, Toby. <laughs> All of the celestial heirs are heads of houses. So Darius is head of house Ignis, which is the firehouse. Seth is head of air, which is air. Um, <laughs> just to clarify, though, it's spelled A-E-R. Yes. <laughs> Max is head of aqua, water, and then Caleb, head of Terra. So everyone who has one element is just sorted into that house. And then people who have two or more can choose. Tori and Darcy are told to pick last. They are both inclined to do air. And then they're told, no, you have to do two different houses. You can't both be in the same house. So Tori goes into Ignis, Darcy into air. And then the hazing fun begins. So... Darcy's up first with Seth. Fun for her. And essentially, Seth is like, Seth is such a weirdo. He really is. He's just nuzzling up on her and being weird with her. Because with Seth being a wolf, so apparently there's an interesting, I guess, description of the wolf. And so you take on the personality to some extent, or I guess your order form really influences your personality. And so the wolves are pack animals and they're super touchy-feely with each other. And so Seth constantly needs attention and touch, even though he's an asshole. Also, the wolves are polyamorous, and there's a lot of pack sex. Yes, many an orgy is described in this book. Yeah, because that's how Seth, as the leader of the pack, that's what they do. Until you find your mate, you're allowed to basically have sex with everyone all the time. Hence why... Seth is the fratty frat boy of the group. Yeah, definitely. He really enjoys his role as alpha of his little pack. So anyways, Seth's being a creep, but then it gets down to the hazing that the whole group is participating in. All of the the freshmen essentially get bags thrown over their heads. They're led to what they believe. So when we're reading this from in the first, the original book, you know, Darcy believes that she is at the at the top of the building that houses House Air, and she thinks that they are going to be made to jump off the top of the building or pushed, and that if they don't catch themselves, 
they'll die, essentially. So she's there and Seth's counting down and she jumps and she jumps off a step. It was just one step. So, but Seth is surprised that she actually jumped. He had taken all of the other freshmen away. So it would just be her and it was supposed to embarrass her, but she's not embarrassed. So he gets ticked and is like, okay, I'm going to make you actually jump off the roof. He takes her up there. He puts her on the wall that kind of surrounds the roof. And he says, okay, you can either jump off the roof or cut your hair off, which we'll learn Darcy's hair is incredibly important to her. She has dyed the tips blue. That's how she's an individual. She refuses to cut her hair. And so she jumps. Seth freaks out because she thinks he thinks she's about to die. He's going to use his air magic to save her and she catches herself. So this is really blown up in Seth's face because now everyone thinks Darcy's super cool. I mean, she still falls on her face, but she doesn't die. So it's a win. Right. And when you're reading this from Darcy's perspective, it's interesting because you don't see Seth be as freaking out as much as when you read it from his perspective because he still kind of has this like asshole, calm, cool, like, all right, fine, you're cool. I guess Darcy didn't die. Whereas internally, when you read it from his perspective, it's like, holy crap, she's going to do it. She's going to die. I'm going to have to save her. This is going to be terrible. But then she saves herself and... Proves how much more powerful and I think earns the more respect from people in her house because of it. The other thing is, is that Seth has an accomplice during all of this. Are we talking so, about Kylie fucking Majors? Because yes. this bitch. <laughs> oh, hate her. Anyways. First of all, quick name tangent. You'll notice in these books, everyone has kind of some kind of name to the stars. So you have Lance O'Ryan, Principal Nova, Kylie Major. They're all ties Jillian to Minor. There we is there a Jillian Minor? Yeah. That's her best friend. Yeah, the the one that's like daft. Oh, see, I always go with Marguerite. Uh, who oh, was the last star name I don't know actually. Now that Hello, I'm thinking about Hellebore. it, Hellebore. Good oh, yeah. recall on that. Yeah, I'm like so the Kylie dictionary Major. of zodiac. <laughs> of zodiac news. You are the Wikipedia, the zodiac Wikipedia. Yes. She's a terrible human being who is instantly jealous of the intention, good or bad, that the hairs give, specifically Seth, gives to Darcy. So Kylie's job is also to make her life a living hell. Yeah. Yes. And Kylie's so jealous because she's Seth's neighbor over the summer. They- the way <laughs> Seth explains it, he's like, I was lonely and she like got hot, so – you know, I've just been Which banging is a her. total Seth yes. thing yeah. to reasoning for it. And I might have called her my girlfriend a couple of times, but I really didn't mean it. And I'm still having sex with my pack the whole time. And she kind of doesn't really know that, but I'm a wolf. So like, what should she it's expect? my nature. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, maybe she'll join in. I don't know. Maybe she wants in on this. Maybe or she, she does He's unbothered. He is unbothered. Yeah. He he does not have the emotional connection to Kylie that she very clearly has to her Sethy, mm-hmm. which I hate. Ugh. I hate reading when she calls him Sethy. It's like a full body cringe moment. I just did it right now. You said it. I was like, ugh. I, did. I hate her. I hate her. Yeah. She's yeah. she's repulsive. So and Kylie, she gets so much worse. Oh, so much oh my worse. Gosh. And she really not, earns her mean girl stripes. Not to go off on a tangent, but I've been watching Stranger Things a lot. And the way that Angela behaves in season four is the way that I imagine that Kylie Major is. Yes. I wish we could take a skate to her face. Absolutely. She deserves it. 
She does get attacked by a uh, drunk Lance Orion, which is my favorite thing that ever it's happened. It's an excellent, excellent scene. You love that scene I so love it much. so much because it brings me so much joy. She makes posters about this monster is attacking her, but it's really just Lance Orion and he's drunk. Anyway, this comes in later love in the story. book. It's 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 a gem and you know I'll laugh again when we finally get to that part. That That is a winning scene. That is one of those comedic scenes that helps with the heartache that inevitably comes with this Oof, series. So much heartache. So Darcy has basically successfully gone through her hazing. Then we go to Darius's perspective slash Tori's perspective. And man, her hazing, I feel like, is worse. So much worse. Tori always gets it worse. She's got the personality to pull it off. She does. So for her, there's basically like a gauntlet that all of the new initiates, I guess, to – House Ignis have to go through. (laughs) What? The pledges? The pledges. Yes, that's much better. So all the pledges have to go through this. And he specifically tells, you know, everyone that's already part of his house, he tells them to make things harder for her. He's like, oh, she has four elements. She's a Vega princess. Let's give her something that seniors wouldn't even be able to handle. And so he goes to wait for her and she she comes through in record time. Like I feel like she- he makes her run through what was described in my mind or the way I picture it. It's like a, a fiery haunted house. Sort yes, of things it's where you basically have- a fiery haunt. There's like hot coals she has to walk over. Somebody is transformed into their Nemean lion form and like pops out. And it's scaring the crap out of them. Yeah. Yes, that is a great uh, description. <laughs> Fiery haunted house. But she gets through it and seems like she, did, you know, fine when she gets to the house. So then Darius sets one more challenge for her. He sets a doorway on fire, essentially. And it's like, if you can step through the fire and be stripped of your mortal trappings, then you can be Fae, you know, very high and mighty. By mortal trappings, we mean clothes? Yes. And money. Yes. <gasps> So she steps through and that that cash that Darcy had worked so hard to get in the beginning of the book is burned away along with all of her clothes. And, you know, all of the other members of the house are there and taking photos and posting them to Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but I enjoy Facebook, which we're going to get into in a second. So just, I guess, quick editorial point. Well, as violating as that is, apparently being fey and naked in this world is pretty common because to transform into your order form, you strip all of your clothes. So, I mean, obviously it's a violation because she was not consenting to getting her clothes burned off, but it's really within the greater scheme, I guess, within the world, it's not that big of a deal because everybody sees each other naked all the time. And then don't right. forget, there's also a swim class with washer. Washer. We'll get to wacky <laughs> so, washer also in a minute. Yeah. Being naked is okay. Right. And it's something they struggle with, you know, as people strip off their clothes, like to get into their Pegasus form. The girls are always like, what, what, what do I do with my eyeballs? <laughs> like, I don't know where to look. Um, where no one else seems to have a problem with that. But in this case, correct. She did not consent to this. She did not plan to not have clothes and is now in front of full display of the people she just met 30 minutes ago, fully naked. But our girl Tori has the confidence to pull that off. Yes, she absolutely does, which is why I assume the Twisted Sisters always give her the worst (laughs) 
situations to deal with. It's like, I love my girl Darcy, but man, sometimes she gets sometimes off easy. Until the end, bit. she gets off easy. We we can always use a little more Tory grit in our lives, I feel. Like the the iron will. She walks out of that room like tits up, ass out. Like, oh, you like it? Take a picture. It'll last longer, which someone exactly. does. Exactly. Yeah. Darius propositions her and she's like, mm, take a good yeah. look because you're never seeing me naked again and I hate your guts. Give me my room key. And then stomps up the stairs naked. Yep. Yeah, she handles it really well. I don't know that I would the same situation, but I'd like to think I'd like to think that I would uh, that I channel me in a badass. I don't know I would. I think I would like just melt into a puddle and die. Like I will physically cause myself to do that. (laughs) Just do nothing to see here. Just melting away. Yeah, I I think I'd fall into the melting pile. I I don't I don't think that I would be as confident if someone burned my clothes off, particularly coming straight from the mortal world where, you know, being naked all the time was not status quo. So during this process, which you, you see more during in the awakening from Tori and Darcy's perspective, they each make their own like respective friend in their house. So Tori meets Sophia Cygnus another star name and darcy meets diego polaris our beanie wearing little weirdo right and he's another one off the bat that kind of seems a misfit so his powers aren't that strong he kind of catches the wrath of some other hair i keep saying hairs hairs (laughs) at some point So, you know, a little bit of a bleeding heart for his order hasn't manifested and he comes from a really, I guess, poor family. Yes. So he's very much like, I'm just happy to be here (laughs) situation. Happy and lucky. Like, not quite sure how we pulled this off. But also very stressed about being there. Incredibly stressed about being there, which we learn more as to why that's the case later. So. The girls having successfully gotten into their houses and kind of, you know, really proven themselves and the heirs have basically done exactly the opposite of what they wanted. They wanted to beat them down and have people look at them and be like, wow, these girls are nothing. And then they both come out on top, really. So Darius and the other heirs meet up at King's Hollow, which is basically like their treehouse, <laughs> I'm going to call it. It is like a much it cooler treehouse, tree but it's a treehouse that they have built for themselves. So they they go there all the time just to be the four of them and they agree. They're like, okay, you know, strengthen our resolve. We have to beat these girls down. Yeah. It's worth noting that they're under incredible pressure from their parents, Darius specifically, to make sure these girls do not succeed because the parents want to ensure that their children are the next legacy, not these twins that just popped up out of nowhere. Yes, it's interesting. Max, Darius, and Seth, but particularly Darius because he has an asshole of a father, their parents are all like, you have to beat up the Vega girls, essentially. And then Caleb's mother, who is the most reasonable you know, parent figure in this book, it's like, um... You could just get to know them and report back to me and we'll we'll see how it goes. So he's a little bit more – he always goes with the heirs because they're his brothers. But he's a little less on board with the, like, torture train that they – Right. Out of all of them, he's on. the most hesitant and ha- it has the, mess, the, most, the most grounding in how terrible this is. The other ones are like, yeah, it's pretty shitty, but, like, what are we going to do? And then yeah. go with it. He actually is a conscious about it a little bit more, I think. Yeah. And so one of the things too to note about like the heirs and their relationship is they all grew up together. They all grew up 
as essentially brothers and they consider themselves brothers. There is like dumb internal rivalry, especially between like Caleb and Darius, but they always stick together as a group, which is interesting because their parents aren't necessarily that close with each other, but the four of them have really formed a bond and they're a united front. And so... Yeah, that's a good point. Their parents are rulers in this area, in Solaria, but they're also can keep each other as an arm's length. Don't think for one second that Caleb's mom wouldn't turn on Darius's dad if given the right chance and right motivations for it. Because that's also the Fey world. So it's interesting that these four have a bond, given that that's not really how the rest of the Fey world and the other celestial counselors roll. Yeah, it's, it's great to get this side of the boys because in the first Awakening book, I mean, they're very clearly all linked up, but it's just very humanizing to have these scenes in King's Hollow where they're really loving with each other, even when they're like posturing being like alpha assholes, they're still sweet (laughs) with each other. They are. And they're like, you know, Kayla... Seth is such a little puppy dog and he needs to be rubbed. It's part of his order form. He's a wolf. He needs to be rubbed and petted. And it's cute to see them even when they're talking about the terrible things they're going to do to these girls. So like, all right, come on, Seth. Come in here for some love and let me give you some some rubs and some snuggles. Yeah. And Max, who we'll see later, totally uses his siren power to manipulate the girls. He uses it with the other heirs to kind of help ease their tension. Um, he's always very conscious of what they're feeling and, you know, concerned for their well-being. And, and that's very sweet, again, because we're used to, up until now, having seen Max be a jerk with yeah. his powers. Max was my least favorite heir for the longest time, up until, like, book sex, which will eventually discuss. I always liked him the least. I just, there was something, I don't know. There's a couple of things that he did. I guess the, later on in this book, the, bleh, the manipulation of the feelings really bothered me, but whatever. He redeemed himself. I feel like Max was always kind of just there for me. Like he wasn't, he wasn't as crazy as Seth. He wasn't as, you know, you have your, your two alpha males, I feel like Caleb and Darius. And then there was just like Max. He's like, I'm here. I'm part of the group. But to me, I, you was more of like the the wallflower for me when I read it. Yeah, I think because the other three, they all have some kind of more like pressing relationship with Tori and Darcy. So Caleb and Darius are like fighting over Tori, mm-hmm. even though Darius is like, no, I can't pursue a relationship with her, no matter how hot I think. And really, in this book, my God, you are beaten over the head with how into Dar- uh, Tori Darius is. Like every five seconds, he's like, man. You know, I was just getting hard thinking about her and she should be beneath me and she would look so good kneeling on her knee like the whole time. And I'm like, Darius, my man, you gotta you gotta focus up here. <laughs> you have a mission, sir, and it's not missionary. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Colleen, right. I'm gonna need to ask you to constantly do your Darius muscle guy voice. <laughs> it was very good. It was oh, awesome. thank you. I yes, that is that is how I read his stuff. It's just like down low and wow you know <laughs> but yeah there there is there's so much of that and i realized that because i had read the first half and then i reread it again and i was like my gosh i can skip a lot of this i mean it's fun to read the first time right you know it's like oh very sexy but then the second time i was like get a hold of yourself man take a cold shower get a grip pull yourself together man yeah Right. So there's one thing I just wanted to go back to quickly. We spoke about a little bit earlier, which is kind of it serves as a plot point throughout and 
a lot of the trials and tribulations that the girls go through is what happens on Facebook. So <laughs> Facebook, as you guessed it, is just sort of like Facebook, except for Faze. And so you see a lot of the postings when the boys torture the girls. Of course, you have Kylie fucking major there taking photos. Uh, you usually have Tyler Corbin also there, a, a character that I grew to love, taking photos and mouthing off uh, in his Facebook status is about the girls. And I think his hashtags, and I encourage everyone to read them to make sure you focus on the hashtags that accompany each, each Facebook post because they are equally hilarious. Yes. And Tyler will take aim at, at anyone. He's not afraid. And I so enjoy, I don't know, Marguerite gets in on some po- post and he calls her Muff Scrub. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love him so much. He, no one is safe with a Tyler Tyler post a favorite yeah, post. He's an equal opportunity offender. Is he the one who coined horny for the horn? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, Horny book for the two, Horn happened two. in this one. Okay, it was book two. I can't no, remember. Two, book two. So, that's, but, well, you know, we'll get into that later. That's a prank that the girls did back to uh, Caleb, which was great. And then, of course, unfolded on Facebook as all the good high school, college drama usually does. Yes, Facebook is, it was so funny because when I first read it, I was like, well, that's ridiculous. And then I so thoroughly enjoyed it. So, you get into the Facebook posts for sure. Wow. When the Twisted Sisters were doing like a post to celebrate the seventh book, and they're like, we'll add, or no, for the eighth, was it the seventh book or the eighth book? It was they've the done seventh it for book. a couple, yeah, yeah, for the seventh book, but they've done it a couple of times now for their different series. Well, they will run a contest where if you comment with, you know, whatever thing they want you to comment with, they'll write you into a Facebook post, which is my dream to be written into a Facebook post. I think I would have peaked in life and I've been married, have had children, all these things. And I'm like, this is like top five moments <laughs> to be in a Facebook post. It'd be very exciting for me. I hope that happens for you. Book eight, we're holding out hope. Holding out hope. You hear that, I'm, Twisted Sisters? Uh, my hope for book eight is still an arc. Oh, an oh, advanced yes. copy. Yes. 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 <laughs> but you know what? It, I will take the Facebook post as a consolation prize. I will prize. also take that. Or you can get all of us, like Caitlin, Hilda, Colleen, and Bridget like this post. You know? Something <laughs> like that. I will, I'll take that. It's very easy to write that in. Yeah. Okay, so, so back to... Jot those names down ladies keep them for your next favorite post Mm -hmm. so Darius and the boys again are recommitted jumping back in they are recommitted to taking the girls down despite being intensely attracted to them for the most part. I just wanted to jump in. So we go into Lance's perspective again. And I think it's important to talk about, I know we started talking about Lance being Darius's guardian, but I don't know if we talked about how extensive, like what that really means for them. So there's actually a novella. So it's Zodiac Academy, like 0.5, I guess is the official number. And it's called Origins of a Bully of like a school bully or something. And so it gives some backstory on Lance and what he wanted for his life before Lionel came and fucked shit up. And we, we meet a like young teenage Darius and it explains what happens to the two of them. Right. And you also get a little bit of backstory. Oh, sorry. Say that again. Oh, you didn't know about the novella? No, I think, well, okay, that's a lie. I When you said the name, I was like, ah, yes, I'm familiar. I didn't, don't think I realized that it was about Lance pre-Guardian days. Yep, it was about his last year at Zodiac and his whole pitfall career. Yeah, you kind of get a little bit more of that, which makes it even more sad to me in Ruthless Boys. So the other series uh, set in the same period where you meet a young Lance Orion, hot pitball star, ball star, not Mr. 305, pitbull, pitball star. <laughs> 
that is looking to go pro and is the talk of the town and whatever city school you attend, everyone knows the name Lance Orion. So the Guardian Bond is worth getting into because it is something that Lionel, who is Darius's father forces upon Darius. So this Lionel Bond, essentially Lionel Bond, (laughs) that's what it should be. So the Guardian Bond was forced upon both Darius and Lance by Darius's father, Lionel. And this Bond basically tattoos the other Zodiac symbol to their brain, their brain, their body, and forces this intense bond where they need to be around each other. And if one is hurt, the other one needs to protect. So in this case, if Darius is hurt, Lance comes to protect and will give his life to protect Darius. Now, this is obviously not something Orion signed up for, so he's a little peeved and depressed that now he has to give up his entire life to stay at Zodiac Academy and teach because he has to be close to Darius as demanded by the bond. The two of them have to hang out all the time. To satisfy the bond, they get like physical aches and pains from it if they're not there by each other's side. I think more so on Lance's side than Darius's side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's- They it's, both feel it, though, which also leads to some awkward situations, but mostly funny, awkward situations between Right, because the they have them. to actually snuggle. So they fight over has to be who has to be Big Spoon and Little Spoon because that's what the bond demands. And it's not common, we should add. Like, this is not like being naked in the Fey world is common. This is not common that you yeah. have this kind of bond that, that goes th- along with two people. I think Geraldine explains in one of the books that it used to be really common back in the old days where, like, the ruling families, specifically the royals, would force it upon people. And so that's why they kind of outlawed it or made it like a really like strenuous process to, you know, be allowed to do it. And so of course Lionel being Lionel just did it because he doesn't give a fuck about other people's lives. And he just he wanted to do it. So he did it. And so he tied Darius and Orion to each other. And you get a lot of that from this perspective as well, where there's a lot of Lance drinking. He's kind of depressed. He's like, ugh, these stupid kids, I have to be around them all the time. Which is a direct result of having to give up his whole life. So now he's got this New spark of life, which is blue, Darcy, to entertain him, and he's clearly smitten with her. Yes. So Lance is, just as Darius is obsessed with Tori, Lance is obsessed with Darcy, who he will eventually start calling blue because of her blue-tipped hair that distinguishes her from her sister. But he's convinced, like, you know, her order form hasn't emerged yet, so he thinks maybe she's a siren and is manipulating his feelings. I thought that part was so funny. Like, dumb dumb. He's like, she's clearly a siren. No one could make me feel this way. Yeah. That- he's not he's not in tune with his own emotions at it at all. That was one of my favorite things in this book because it was just like both Darius and Orion were like, we don't understand this weird bond. And so Lance was like, oh, they must be sirens. And they couldn't comprehend. You know, they don't know it yet, but they're exerting their sexual tensions because they're manifesting. It's fine. That's what it is. And then they were like, well, maybe they're succubuses or succubi. (laughs) (laughs) No assholes. You guys just like really like them and are falling in love with them. And then Lance thinks, oh, you know, it's just because I'm, you know, attracted to her power. You know, as a vampire, he wants to be drinking from the best power source. So he's like, that's why. And then later down the line, he will drink from Tori as well, which will prove to be a problem. But he he doesn't feel the same way. It's like, all right. So clearly there's something different there. 
Lance, perhaps uh, use your brain and think about this one. But he doesn't because he just drinks. He just he's uh, refusing to see to see what the stars have put before him. Yes. So Lance, as we were talking about, Lance is. Um, because of the guardian bond, he has been placed as a professor at the school and he teaches the twins cardinal magic class. So this is where they're learning the basics of their magic. They learn about order forms. They learn about the, the zodiac signs, all this good stuff while Lance is being, you know, like a jerk to his students. So as I said, Lance is their cardinal magic teacher. And during their class, he tells everyone, you know, the twins, one of the things, because they haven't been raised with magic, they are subject to coercion, which is basically anyone can tell them to do anything. So that plays a big role in their bullying because most other fae learn at a young age to put up a mental shield, but they have not learned that. So the heirs use that to their advantage a great deal. So, you know, later on at some point, Darius runs into Darcy. She's concerned and in the woods and asks him for help. And <laughs> he starts it's helping her. It's like a her. real scary mo- moment. Yes. You're reading, you're like, oh my God, there is something out there. Because you're hearing about all these nymph attacks. And she asks for help. And what does Darius do? Darius, well, he starts helping. First, he's nice. Then Seth comes up and they're like, let's torture her. So they chase her. They use their power of four. They use all of their, their magic and cover her in mud and then like bake it into her skin which is you know real fun there's lots of fae book posts about how darcy's covered in shit so <laughs> she's mortified yes the swap monster she has a meeting with lance because lance orion has been appointed her liaison basically tori and her need extra teaching because they are so far behind so lance has to meet her i think once a week to just catch her up basically which again furthers you know lance and darcy's ties to one another lance kindly helps her cleans her off during their meeting but otherwise is in standard lance o'brien fashion kind of a jerk he's drinking during their meeting it's no good but he does determine her power rankings at this point and they're like off the charts he does you know reads her palm and discovers all these things about her and is very interested so and we should know he's sort of we learned from the boy's perspective he's going back he's learning all about this and he's feeding this information to darius who is therefore feeding it to the hair keeping hairs therefore (laughs) feeding it to the heirs i promise i know how to speak english Another thing that we kind of mentioned but really didn't go into detail is Lionel specifically sent Lance to go find the girls because Lionel likes to assume that he can control Lance and make him do whatever he wants. But the fact is that Darius and Orion are basically actively working to train up Darius so they can overthrow his father. And so while Lance will tell Darius everything. He will purposely keep information from Lionel so he doesn't have the upper hand on the twins. That's a good point because they, much like the rest of the world, well, I guess Lionel hides it from the rest of the world, but he's pretty much the worst human being you could ever hope for to meet, the way he treats his family. And so they, it's only a matter of time before Orion can teach Darius all the magic he needs to be able to confront and take his take the power from his father. 
Yes. And that magic involves, what is it? It's called like dark magic or shadow magic or something like that, which is illegal. But Lance learned it from his father and is teaching it to Darius. So Darius could try to have the upper hand when he eventually challenges Lionel because he just can't have Lionel in charge anymore. He is abusive to everyone in the family and he wants to overthrow him. So in this process of Lance meeting with Darcy, he does feed from her for the first time and, you know, is intoxicated, loves it, and then convinces himself, oh, the reason why I'm attracted to her is just because, you know, her blood is so intoxicating. It's always something with him. He's always coming up with some reason to, you know, ignore that he's extremely so attracted powerful. to her. Her blood tastes so good. Like, no, dumb dumb. You just love her. An idiot. That's why I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole time, Gabriel Knox has been talking to him, Noxie, our dear friend Noxie, and he's a seer and he keeps telling Lance, you know, hey, follow your heart, stick to the light. And Lance is constantly referring to Darcy as, you know, this light, bright figure, and he still can't piece it together. We'll learn a lot more about our good friend Noxie, who is another professor with Lance at, I almost said Hogwarts. <laughs> with him at the Zodiac Academy. And he's a significant role to play in the plot to come. Yes. So after Lance and Darcy meet, uh, Lance goes to Darius to, you know, give him the lowdown on what he learned from reading Darcy's palm. And then they go and they often go nymph hunting together. That's how this book started off. They track nymphs, a nest of nymphs, to a nearby town, to Kana, like right outside of this town. They do start fighting with the nymphs. You know, they're trying to root out the nest. But in the process, the FIB is called and they become convinced that Darius killed the fae who was killed by the nymphs. So Lance calls Lionel because that's all he can think to do to prevent Darius from being from being wrongfully arrested for a murder he did not commit. Lionel shows up, exerts his extreme power over the FIB and is like, you are not arresting my son. You're not interrogating him. I'll have none of it. But then when he talks to Darius about it, he's like, you can tell me. Did you kill that guy? He was a sphinx. He was kind of a lower power order. I'm, I'm cool with it if you killed him. And he's disappointed that Darius did not. That's the kind of person Lionel is, right? He's like, did he offend you? You should burn him alive for that. Uh, we'll see this come out a lot more as we dive into the series of yeah. this sort of classist orderist thing that Lionel, his obsession that he has. Yeah. So remember, well, a couple of recordings back when I was like, fuck you, Manu. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Lionel is the king of fuck that guy. Yeah. He was very hard in the uh, f- the fuck Mary kill we had to do. And I think he was a member of that. So he, he's- Yeah, he he's got killed. Yeah, he's an auto kill for me. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have did him, but only because I really hated the no, other two. I think two you married so- him. You I- decided to marry him. I forget oh, who else we had. I'm already regretting this. I'm going to have to go back and update this. All right. So back to maybe some other characters that we can get into. I know that we wanted to briefly touch on Washer, who is another professor. So we have Gabriel Knox, another professor that Lance Orion kind of hangs out with. So if you have your friend, you have your pervy foe, who is is Washer. Washer is the professor, and he teaches 
What does he teach? I feel like it's always in the he's water. water. He's the that's water. That's just water? Yeah, Coach? he's like the – because that's what – so I guess the classes, obviously there's cardinal magic. They learn about fortune telling. And then mm-hmm. there's element classes for, you know, the, to how to harness your power. And so obviously the twins have to go to like all of the element classes. And then and I'm we'll sure briefly like- touch on Washer and, and why he he's – one of those people, one of those characters that is just always there and is always creeps out everyone. He wears very skin tight clothing, very short clothing, likes to have his students in the same clothing. I, I think in a later book, he has like really weird designations for students that are doing well or like oh not God. doing well. Oh, it's, it's it's this book. He's like he yeah. he talks about he talks about he's like, oh, I hope their wet spots don't distract you. And he's talking about – he's like, oh, that's what I call, you know, their – their I don't know, their accomplishments or something like that. And he's like, I rank my students. They're dry when they're starting off. And as they get better, they're moist, damp, or positively <laughs> gushing, which is oh, just, you know, just gives you a washers. picture of who this person is. So he is like totally the creepy – double entendre to this day in book seven i don't know how i'm supposed to feel about washer because there are times that it seems like he's on i hate lionel so Mm -hmm. like how bad of a person can somebody be if they hate lionel yet at the same time he does like all these terrible creepy things and the reason that he gets away with it is because he's a siren there goes toby he's a siren (laughs) and so since sirens can manipulate emotions apparently they're really good at sex and so he's banging nova and so that's why he's allowed Principal. to get away. Yeah, he's allowed to get away with it. And he's constantly trying to have a threesome with With Orion. anyone, I feel like. Uh, with every, yes. with, Specifically yeah. Lance Orion, though. But though he wouldn't turn it down from anyone. And I think it's funny to know as the girls are stressed or tired or upset about what's happening, he'll always come up to them and be like, oh, tell me more. Does this make you feel bad? I can make you feel good. Because it was siren powers. But of course, it comes off extremely creepy. And they're like, uh, no, thank you. Hard pass. So Washer, we don't know how to feel about him, but I just wanted to throw that out there as another character that uh, pops up (laughs) during the girls' experiences and Lance Orion's experiences as he continuously seeks to avoid and swat him away. Yes. And while we're talking about other important professors who are kind of, you know, like side characters to the story, but still, you know, contribute something of importance, we can talk about uh, Professor Astrum. So he plays a big role in the awakening and the awakening is told by the boys, but really more so the awakening because he works with Darcy and Tori, right? We know that at this point. (laughs) Yeah. So he was actually, so Astrum is a royalist. And so you can kind of divide up the people in Solaria as like royalists or counselors, pro-counselors. And so Astrum is a royalist and he actually worked for the twins' parents. And he also has like very powerful sight. Um, So he's also like a powerful seer. While we're on this tangent of other teachers who are important to note, I just want to throw out another character who is important to note to the utmost degree. It's our girl, Geraldine Gruss, who is a gem of a character. She speaks in alliterations and she is overly... She's incredibly uh, flowery and like poetic, flowery. but in a weird way, a delightful way, but uh, weird. And she's she a is- wonderful character. She's a lot. She's a lot. 
She's she's a lot. And she is, you know, you have this world of royalists first heirs, I guess, or whatever they may be, those supporters there. She is a royalist. She comes from a family that has supported the royals and uh, the king and queen before they passed. And so she is thrilled, tickled pink that the twins have come back to claim the throne. And she forms a club that is the the joy to all of us uh, called the Almighty Sovereign Society. Now, if you're wondering what that abbreviates to, yes, it's ass. It's the ass club. And Tori points that out immediately. Like, you cannot form this club. I will not be affiliated with the ass club. And Geraldine doesn't just, just does not get it. And she's like, no, we'll all have shirts made. It'll be great. We'll make stickers. Yeah, she's like, no one will think that. No one would read it as ass. Like, you're ridiculous, Tori. It's just because That's you're so foul mouthed, you know. And she, there's not a thing these twins could do wrong. Geraldine waits to greet them with buttery bagels every morning and will drop to any whim that the girls have. But the way she speaks is. <laughs> just such a delight where she again is overly flowery and has been known to call the heirs specifically max riggle a slippery salmon or a salacious salamander and (laughs) it makes me think of leslie nope with her you know you all the things she calls ann perkins basically majestic mermaid or whatever but to the nth degree like (laughs) it's leslie nope on steroids if you're familiar with parks and rec At some points, it's almost hard to figure out what she's trying to say because you're so lost in the flowers, but she's such a delight and such a gem and just a ray of sunshine because she she hates the airs and is pro the girls and will do anything in her power to assist them and aid them. Yeah. Um, And And that's a girl, Geraldine. She really is. It might take you a while to like Geraldine because at first she's just – she's crazy, but she's the good type of crazy. teacher's pet, I guess, you know? Yeah, we love Geraldine. She's also a badass at pitball. And also, because everybody in this series is, she's hot. Of course. They always talk about her giant racks, specifically Max (laughs) Riggle. He likes her wabos. So we'll actually, we do hear more from Geraldine. She plays a pivotal role in this story, I, I think. Or, you know, there's a big plot point that surrounds her. How about that? Maybe not a pivotal role, but it's important. So just another thing I wanted to point out real quick, Lance, in one of their Cardinal Magic classes, when he's, you know, telling the students that they don't matter or something delightful like that, (laughs) Lance feeds from Tori. But at this point, Caleb has claimed her as his source, meaning no other vampire can feed from her. So... Caleb and Lance, you know, he's a student. Lance is a professor. They like get into a brawl in the classroom. Lance is like, fine, you're right. This is your source, but I'm claiming Darcy then. So again, there's one more tether tying them together. Darcy is his source. She can't be, you know, can't feed from another vampire. And Lance is going to be primarily feeding from her as his magic dwindles. And basically, Caleb, I mean, Caleb, Tori and Darcy are basically powerless to stop this until they can control their power and fight Lance and Caleb off. So they just have to kind of accept that they are going to be fed from. Okay. I think the next big thing to get to, Lance meets a friend from the FIB at a bar in Tucana. While they're there, they're talking about hunting nymphs. Darcy overhears this because she's at the same bar. She only hears, you know, they're getting more powerful, we have to kill them. She really thinks that Lance is planning to kill her and her sister. That same night, Darcy and Tori 
go to a different club. They're, they've been drinking. They meet up with the heirs. The heirs have been drinking. They say, let's call a truce. Let's hang out for tonight together. The girls reluctantly, reluctantly at first agree. They dance. They're like very, you know, touchy feely with each other. Tori is all over Dare. Well, Darius is all over Tori, perhaps is the better way to say it. I feel like Um, they're both all over each other. Yes. I do want to point out one thing, though. So as they before they met up with the heirs, the girls had gotten a message from Falling Star, who is this anonymous person that is contacting them and revealing random information to them. And the Falling Star was like, hey, go meet us in the alley, in some dark alley. And so they go and head out, head out over there. And then while they're there, they hear this horrible rattling sound. They don't know what it is. We realize later there was a nymph out to attack them, but they escaped run into the airs, and then that's when they decide to basically go drinking um, and hang out and basically make dance floor babies. Yes. So <laughs> Tori is dancing, you know, pretty ferociously with Darius. Darius goes to talk to Lance at some point because Lance is, you know, clued in that there's nymphs. So he's like, Darius, we, you know, have to do something about this. But in the process, Caleb then takes over his spot and continues the ferocious dancing with Tori. Darcy this whole time has been with Seth and they, you know, are being very flirty and touchy-feely and all that good stuff. So Lance and Darius, well, I think actually mostly just Lance because Darius has already been, you know, targeted by the FIB based on their last run-in with the nymphs. Lance goes to, you know, hunt this nymph that's out and finds the nymph attacking Geraldine, our delightful Geraldine. It already has its probes in her and is starting to take her power. Lance cuts the probes off and kills the nymph, starts to heal Geraldine, and then calls for backup and and she is saved and rescued, thankfully. But it's a near thing, you know. At first, I thought Geraldine was going to die, which at the time I felt bad, but I wasn't wasn't in love with her yet but right it's like oh okay to me she was again a reference to harry potter but there's this another uh, colin creedy i think is the kid who like, yes. follows harry potter around okay, all the time yes and so that's how i kind of pictured him and it didn't you know colin creedy got petrified i think is what happened to him yeah and so i thought too. this was the same situation where this little goody tissues hot on their trails gets hurt because of them i just want to point out one thing when Orion, when Lance showed up to pick up Darius at the club, he saw Seth and Darcy dancing really provocatively on the dance floor, and he was getting royally pissed and jealous. Mm-hmm. Yep, because our boy loves our boy loves blue, and he just can't see it. Yeah, he can't see it, and also a relationship between teacher and students is forbidden. Yes, it, that could th- end with him in jail. Earth. And in Solaria, just in case you're wondering how that works. So I think what's what happens next after that point can be basically summed up, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of other kind of pranks ensue between the boys trying to get the girls. And ultimately, it kind of gets to a point we find out that Lionel, the asshole that he is, threatens to kill or seriously hurt Darius's younger brother, who is sort of the light in their family, and can't really take the beatings as well as Darius can. He, and so he Lionel actually does hurt him. He burns. He does he burns Xavier in front of Darius? He beats Darius, but he like sets Xavier on fire. And how could I forget that? I don't yeah. know. I think I've blocked out the pain yeah, of reading no, that part totally because it was traumatizing. Yeah. So 
The other thing, just what escalates to that is essentially, obviously, the twins are out in public, the heirs are out in public with them, the paparazzi catch, take a bunch of photographs of them dancing provocatively. Also, the heirs are drunk, and so they engage in really ridiculous behavior. And then obviously, there's the nymph attack. So it's like, what are your future leaders doing? Oh, they're getting drunk and hanging out with, you know, these two, like, basically mortal princesses. And so all of the heirs get called by their parents the next day and reamed for their behavior. But then obviously Darius gets the worst of it because, again, fucking Lionel. Right. So I I can't believe I forgot that. But you're right. That is exactly what happened. I was trying to think of what was the catalyst to, like, to up the ante and that's that's what it was yeah so uh, seth gets pissed because his mom's like you can't hang out with the family and then he turns into a psycho because of that meanwhile darius's brother is actually getting set on fire so we have a lot more sympathy for darius here but they basically they meet up in king's hollow and come up with this plan wherein max will use his siren powers to figure out what the girls fear most so he gets them to tell him their fears, Darcy's. There's a whole backstory to each of them. But essentially, Darcy's boils down to a deep fear of rejection and being unlovable that stems from her time in foster care and, you know, basically her first boyfriend who had sex with her and left her immediately. Tori, on the other hand, is deathly afraid of open water because she had a near drowning experience. Her boyfriend was driving erratically, crashed into a lake. He was able to get out and left her to drown, thankfully, obviously. Somebody else stepped in to save her, but she's been afraid of water ever since. So the boys take these fears and make plans to, you know, capitalize on them and make it so everyone knows that, you know, if they can't even control their own fears, how can they control a kingdom? And they want them to be so beat down that they decide to leave Zodiac of their own accord. So Seth steps up with Darcy. He's like, I'm going to you know, continue what we started on the dance floor. And I'm going to ask her to the school dance. Darcy accepts. She's kind of, you know, nervous, but is actually really excited and, and is starting to like Seth. And they make another plan for Tori, which we'll get into this horrible plan as it unfolds. Right. Again, I feel like, yes, Darcy has this terrible traumatic things that happens to her, but Tori's is significantly worse. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so like, I have nothing else to add to that except nod is. and be like, yes. And their their evil plan, and it's worth noting that we don't see it as much in the girls' perspective as we do in As Told by the Boys, but they really struggle with this, maybe less so Seth in the initial planning phase. Caleb's adamantly against it. He's like, I really don't want to have anything to do with this because, you know, at this point, him and Tori have had this sort of vampire sexual relationship happening. So he, he feels bad about it. He really doesn't want to have to touch it. He wants to just be on the outer rim of everything happening here. Darius obviously has to partake in this because of what's been done to his brother to threaten him and he will do anything to protect his brother. Max is going along with what the heirs go, the other heirs decide to do. And he and can Seth feel is- Darius's emotions. He knows that these are, this is a high stakes thing for Darius. Darius. He knows right. he something's know wrong. What or why. He just knows that feeling of, of dread and terror if he doesn't do this. And so the boys, again, it's more humanizing to know that they grappled with this a little bit before they ultimately did these terrible things. And then as they're doing these terrible things that they're like, this is this is a point in which I cannot come back from. But at least they're realizing that there's a line and I've crossed it, which is not necessarily apparent on the flip side when you read it from the girls. It just sounds like these are monsters who have no feelings for anyone. Yeah. 
So on the night of the school dance, an attack is planned for both of them. So Seth takes Darcy and Darius courses Tori. And they kind of take them into separate ways to basically plan out these tacks to break them, to make them leave Zodiac Academy. I don't know who else wants to continue there. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead, Hilda. Oh, I was going to say, so just really quickly at the dance, again, Orion sees Darcy and he's like, wow, she looks really hot. And he kind of approaches her. At the same time before he showed up to chaperone the dance, Noxie was at his apartment basically telling him, like, get your shit together, Lance. Like, the best thing that could ever happen to you is going to happen to you if you stay in the light and then also he also tells Lance that around nine o'clock he needs to be away from the twins for 10 minutes and so Lance is like what and so Knox Noxie's just Noxie as a seer yeah he's like trust process as a seer he can't reveal too much because that could possibly change fates but so every now and then he'll kind of speak in this weird unclear riddle pattern but so that's what happens and then so Seth on the same night under the guise of building a relationship with Tori takes her out to the dance he's her date for the dance and right before they kind of go out onto the terrace or outside away from the dance of prying others Orion approaches them and basically warns them like he's like I you need to stay away from Seth I don't have a good feeling about it he can't really get into it but he knows that the heirs are up to something and he just doesn't want to see his girl hurt at the same time he can't necessarily get in the way because his job of course is to support Darius and so he's a little conflicted in this moment and after they leave which I you know I told you guys earlier Seth calls him uh, Sir Bites a lot, and I thought that was very funny. It's <laughs> like, now that Sir Bites a lot is gone. So again, Darcy is his source. He unacts what his revenge will be to break her. And as he pulls her into a tight kiss embrace, he kind of grabs her neck and chops off her blue hair which is the essence of her personality and also is disfiguring. Like your hair just got chopped off from a weird angle. Now you have stubs for hair. Naturally, she has like bald spots. It's not a good look. And And it just goes back to that feeling of being unlovable. You know, she thought that Seth liked her and then he was just using her to cut her hair off. And it's worth noting Kylie is in the bushes filming the whole thing because Kylie Kylie is the worst. And Seth even says like, I told you I'd get that blue hair, which is something he kind of – spoke to her about earlier during their um, initiation phase, their pledging, their hazing phase. And of course, Kylie captures the whole thing. The kiss, the fake out that I really didn't care for you, the cutting of the hair, Darcy falling apart to pieces because her hair has just been cut off and she's been lied to and manipulated. And Kylie captures the whole thing and decides to post it to Facebook immediately. Orion is there to comfort her very shortly after that. And he does his best to try and get her up off the ground because he acknowledges, yes, this is the Faye way, but also these are brutal tactics tactics that the boys are employing against the girls. So in the middle of his consolation of blue, things get a little steamy, I'd say, on his side. And then they're erupted by a giant scream. And of course, he knows that scream. I actually don't know how he knows that scream, but he knows that it's Tori. So he uses his vampire powers to like run over. But the whole time that this has been happening to Darcy, Tori has been, you know, taken out of the dance by Darius. He has coerced her to walk to the the gym where the pool is and lunar lunar leisure lunar leisure (laughs) there we go 
They have gathered the whole school there to watch. They make her climb the the diving high board. Dive. Yeah, like yes. the highest yeah, the diving tallest. board there is. Yeah, Darius is like, he's having second thoughts, but not really. Max convinces him that this has to happen. Tori gets up there and he tries to coerce her, I think, or Max tries to coerce her to jump. And she is actually finally able to throw up her mental shields at this point she doesn't jump then of course seth uses his wind power to try to knock her in she decides to take ownership of the situation and she jumps in herself reminder she is deathly afraid of water right she almost drowned she does not care for this max makes the water icy cold she is able to come to the surface but then the boys start like they use their water power to make like a you know so fucked twister up. of water basically to knock knock her back under and then max freezes the pool like you know makes a layer of ice over yeah she can't get out so she's trapped so her worst fears confirmed she's trapped under the ice and she cannot get out for air which is her biggest fear so she's drowning she punches her way through the ice they cover it up again you know the boys had said oh we're not trying to kill her we'll keep track of her heartbeat or something and you know get her out of there before it's too late but they're really pushing things and I don't think that they severely underestimate how powerful she is in this moment because Darius is like just a few more minutes I just need a few more minutes of her like I'll pull her out I'm not gonna kill her but they don't understand how stubborn she is and that she will not she will not cave she will not bow she will continue fighting until literally it is her last breath so at this point tori not tori apologies darcy and lance have made it into lunar leisure and lance freaks out and puts a stop to it right he gets well he, he understands full blown yes. professor <laughs> full professor which i'm sure hill is like yeah oh yeah daddy <laughs> He gets Tori out of the water and then he's like, anyone who is involved with this, he's like, everyone face the wall. Like he is freaking out, you know. Because he realizes how close the boys pushed her to actually dying. And And then he's also seeing the pain that is unfolding on Darcy's face. Her sister, you know, she just runs in there. Her sister's trapped under ice. She knows her sister's fear. And so he's seeing the concern and pain across her face as well. And like I said, he goes full professor, screaming detention. If anyone moves, they're expelled immediately Mm -hmm. the other thing to note too is you know lance as being an anti-royalist really thought that the twins were going to be like their father the savage king but as he's come to know them a little bit he realizes they're just they're cool normal pretty nice chicks people yeah like they're pretty awesome you know they just didn't work grow up in the fey world because of extenuating circumstances and so they really don't deserve the way that the heirs are treating them and lance is very disappointed in darius right because he is all pro darius he wants darius on the throne that's what he's working towards but he thinks that you know darius is a good person at heart and when he sees darius do this he's like you are becoming your father you know what makes you any better than lionel if you are going to throw a girl into a pool and drown her like this isn't the way that we get the throne this isn't the way to do this Mm-hmm. So, you know, Lance is, everyone's leaving. Lance has given everyone detention, <laughs> including the heirs. They get two weeks of detention. Tori and Darcy are furious because they're like, that's the punishment for an almost murder? Okay. 
great, thanks. And as they're leaving, they step outside and I believe they're screaming and there's a huge inferno that they're coming out to. And I think Lance puts it out and they discover a charred body in the center. Nobody knows who it is. Somebody makes the comment, you know, only dragon fire can burn like that. Lance says, you know, in his head and we see this in his perspective. But in the first book, we're like, oh, my God, a dragon did this. You know, he's like, no, this this wasn't dragon fire. This is burning too hot for that. And then that's basically where the book ends. It ends on this giant or at least the Zodiac Academy from the boys perspective. I'm not sure if there's more from the original or if that starts off in the second one. I think that that's basically how it ends because book two starts Dory, Dory, Darcy and Tori (laughs) together. But they do know at the end of book one that it is Astrum that has been set on fire, which freaks the girls out even more because that was one of the only people that supported them and helped them out. And actually, we find out that this falling star person that was giving them random clues was Astrum. And so now they're freaking out and he's leaving them like little clues via tarot cards. Right. And so they feel like their only person that's on their side has now been barbecued, basically. So (laughs) they are (laughs) concerned, to say the least. And uh, as is... Lance Orion, he's concerned. He's like, there's a murderer on the loose. I don't know who did this. This isn't. This is not a nymph attack, as far as he can tell. This isn't what they standardly do. And so this is a problem. He's realizing this is a pretty big freaking problem. And it's very traumatic for the girls because they have just undergone their own trauma, and then they come out to the you know charred corpse of their one ally. Aside from like Geraldine, but she is in the hospital recovering from her nymph attack. So they're one ally in a position of power, really. Right. And that pretty much wraps up. It ends on that that cliff note, I guess, the cliffhanger a little bit. And that's Zodiac Academy, The Awakening, both the girl's perspective, The Awakening, and then As Told by the Boys, which is technically book five. Five? It's like 4.5. It's listed as book nine because oh. <laughs> of the first, because the, the, I guess the books are like one through eight, but you're supposed to read it after book five, although it was published after book six. Right. So we, we, we go pretty far in the series before we realize these, these, these errors are just not assholes as we seem, or there's motivations, unseen motivations that yeah. make more sense to us, the reader, as we, we kind of go along with them and see what, what's happening beyond what we were able to see originally. Yeah, because at first all we're getting from Darius is like, my father made me, but we never, we don't know that he set Xavier on fire, right? Like, we know that he's been threatening him and, you know, and is constantly like bullying him. But there's a little bit of a shift of a character in Xavier from like book one and book two. When we meet him in book one, he's definitely a lot happier. But by the time book two rolls around, he's definitely more sullen and withdrawn. And we come to realize it's because his father burnt him alive to Uh, manipulate Darius. As you would be. He's like, you mean nothing to me. I would just rather burn you to prove a point. Just, again, speaks volumes for the the insane character that we have in, in Lionel. Love to hate him, I guess is what you can say. We love to hate him. Oh, absolutely. This book we spoke about in the beginning was a little bit of a tough read to get into, again, because of the bullying and how bad it was to just read the trauma after trauma. And every time you're like, how how much more can the boys do to these poor girls? But it, it does suck you in in a way that I – it was unexpected. And I know Hilda had told me, she's like, just make it through the first book. Yeah, and then- just power through. Book two gets really good because the girls – 
they don't take this shit lying down. They definitely fight back. And so there's some of that in book two. And it's just, it's worth it. Book one is tough. It's not, you know, it's tough to introduce a series with all of these things that are happening, but it's worth it to power through. Right. So any last final thoughts on this this book series, this, this portion of this book series? Because we got a lot to say on the other stuff. So there's not a lot of smut in book one there's like maybe like one and a half scenes but yeah, it definitely Caleb up. scene that I'm like mm-hmm, yeah. it definitely picks up in book two and you're not disappointed throughout the rest of the novels Toby's like living his best life over there yeah I don't <laughs> jiggle Toby's jiggles galore like, it's okay everyone knows and loves Toby at this point he's a part of the podcast he's he just, just, just like your frogs <laughs> just like my frogs it's like he decides I'm gonna take a bath. I'm going to start randomly playing with this dent you have on your night table that's always been there, but now it has my attention and I'm going to jingle jangle. Like mom's busy? Great. Let me make some noise. All right. She's talking to other people that are not me. So let's get her attention. Of course. Of course. Uh, So that concludes our recap and thoughts on the first of this book series, which we know and love so much. And what I guess we're getting into book two would be next, right, Hilda? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about book two next. Probably won't be as long of an explanation. Um, there was a lot we had to get through. There's in world our defense, building. This was two books. It was two books. It was two books, and it was the start of a series. So there was definitely a lot to explain. It's fine. You know we what? Now you're out, there. We figured out how to make our file sizes smaller, so we can definitely we can give you a two-hour podcast. Work. Well, the editing might take a month, but we can (laughs) do it. I think we do have a month before we're scheduled. Oh, good. (laughs) We gave ourselves some time. We were smart about this one. We knew we'd be chatty (laughs) Cathy's about it. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up right now with this book. And this is book one of Zodiac Academy and As Told by the Boys, which comes in later, but is two different perspectives on the same side of the story. So we are covering up next book two in Zodiac Academy. And we'd love to hear from you guys. So please leave us a review, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We are obviously Book Talk Made Me. I mean, you found us. But have you also (laughs) found us on Instagram? I feel like that answer is no. And you need to fix that right now. So head on over to Instagram, search for booktalkmeadme underscore pod. Give us a follow. You can take any of our polls, quizzes we have up, and our highlights. We've got a good fuck Mary Kill, which highlights a lot of the characters we spoke about. And again, you probably hear us talk about every other podcast episode. Yeah. And now we have a reason to talk about Lance Ryan all the time. Right. Not like we didn't have one before, but we certainly have one now. And a special shout out to our co-host Colleen who did a great job filling in um, for Bridget while she's out on maternity leave so thank you so much Colleen thank you for having me so fun chatting Zodiac Academy with you it it, it is a good time to chat about it and I again really enjoyed your Darius so please feel free to bring that up more often (laughs) and on the next one (laughs) can you sign off as Darius I'm not even sure that I can (laughs) I'll be too busy thinking about Darcy (laughs) Oh, to- Tori, wrong one. No. <laughs> Whatever. A twin. I'll be thinking about a twin. Oh, man. Well, that was great stuff. We appreciate it. And we'll see you guys soon as we talk about book two next. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.